friends. I'm Taylor. And I'm Brittany. Together, we are two sisters who are here to help you learn some tips and tricks to help navigate this crazy journey called life. We bring you the perspective of a licensed LMHC therapist and expecting mother. And a slightly eccentric mom of two. When you combine us as sisters, we like to consider ourselves as quite the dynamic duo. So join us as we talk about all life has to offer. (laughs) All right, Britt. So today um, we are doing our third episode for anxiety. And what we thought would be really helpful for people is kind of being able to break this down by age groups and being able to get a really good identifier of what it looks like throughout your stages of life. So just a little recap from the last one, Britt, what did we talk about? Do you remember? Last time we kind of talked about, oh heck, we talked about what does anxiety look like? We talked about specific yes. symptoms. We talked about kind of what some of the physical symptoms look like, some of the mental symptoms yeah. and how we can kind of make it stop. Yeah. I love you, sister. <laughs> I like I was so excited for the next episodes that my brain had already gone like I know we were talking so- about this today. <laughs> yeah, we were already like putting it out and you're like, wait, we talked about um so for the physical symptoms and mental symptoms, we gave you really big generalities. The hard thing about mental health is that it is so individualized. As you see, like even for your own self and then your kids, each kid doesn't come with a manual, which would be really nice if they popped out with one. Oh, but yeah. every child is so different, every personality is so different how you interact with the world. So when we're giving these rules, symptoms, whatever, there's always the caveat of you never know what's going to pop up and it could be anxiety and it could not be, which is the worst and best part of my job. I never get bored, but it's hard to know exactly what you're dealing with. But there are some rules in general for development stages and what we can kind of look for. And that's what we're going to give you guys today. Okay. Yeah. And a perfect example of this is I mean, Taylor, you've been around, obviously, for my seven-year-old boy and my 11-year-old girl. And their anxiety symptoms are so different. Super different. Because remember when I first brought up to you that Anson looks like he has anxiety and you're like, but he's so chill. And I was like, but he's so not chill. Like, yes. It was a big difference because it didn't look like your 11-year-old. Yeah. Because my, yeah, I don't know if you want me to dive into that now or we'll just talk about the different phases, but totally different, even though they're the same kids raised in the same house, we've had to look at them very differently. So this is a perfect example of that. And what we're looking for is so wide. So again, when we're giving you generalities, these are generalities. Like they're going to vary. If you really want to know, take them to a professional because we're trained to see all the little nuances and how it connects. But it's not your fault if you miss it and you're like, I got it with one kid and then I didn't get it with the other kid. Like I've had so many parents come in and have like mommy, sh- like shame or guilt. And I'm like, girl, like this is not the easiest thing to catch. And that's why we go to school for forever. And that's why even sometimes I miss things too. So just giving that little like pre-warning caution tape before we go into the specifics. Yes. And get, give yourself some grace because like I, we said with Anson, I did not realize it was anxiety. I thought he was like, oh, stereotypical ADHD. The kid has anger problems, blah, 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 yep. which we'll dive into. Yeah. So let's go exactly. into it. What does it look so, like for a three to five-year-old? Yeah. We don't really do under that because I mean- they're still forming their personalities. Honestly, I don't like taking anybody under six. So when I did take children, I used to not take anybody under the age of six because I thought my rule of thumb is usually parents are the main leader to how your kids interact with the world, right? So yeah. doing therapy for age six, it's really hard anyways, cognitively, they aren't developed for it. Doing a session with them, you're lucky if you get five minutes out of a five-year-old, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> still with my seven-year-old, I feel so bad for his therapist every week. <laughs> 
his therapist is awesome. I like I love his therapist, but yeah, like it's but it's, it's like five minutes of attention. I mean, that's given ADHD. That's common for a seven year old, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's not the easiest thing to do, little kids. Like now, my rule is I don't take anybody at age eleven because it's just too hard to get them like chasing squirrels. Oh, girl, it's like chasing sin squirrels. So three to five <laughs> is where we'll start, because um, two and under is just. They're babies and they're toddlers and terrible twos are a thing. So what we're looking for is it's kind of complete opposites. We're looking for are they overly cautious? Do they have a reserved personality? Do they kind of tend to shy away and be that like scared little kid about everything in their lives? Like there's going to be zones where your kid is cautious. Your kid is a little bit like, I don't know about this because there there's a ton of new experiences during that time in their life. Right. Right. And that's where you're looking for extremities. Like, can your kid not even go down the slide? If they can't even go down a slide after you've shown it to them three or four times and it's regular, not just like an off day, but this is like their common pattern or they are terrified to go in the water or other things like that, then you're probably a little bit of a red flag, right? And um, we saw that like textbook, I feel like with my 11-year-old daughter. Your two well, kids at are, that time. Like, your at two that kids time. are literally textbook for the personalities that we see. Right. Of development. So, yeah. Let me talk about this. And I guess at like three to five with Adeline, she was textbook for she was cautious. She was reserved. She was all of those things, right? Yeah. Like, and she was throwing up all the time. She would hyper oh, yeah. Her up. gag reflex. That's a big one for anxiety with little kids, by the way. Yes. So from three to five, mm-hmm. and we had taken her in. Remember, we took her into Children's Hospital and they said, she's just overreactive nervous system. She'll grow out of it. But it was her anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like, and we saw that from three to five. So yes. now if you jump to the opposite side. Sensory, sen- like, so the one I didn't name that's on our list is sensory sensitivity. Like they have weird little quirks. This one goes for both of them, both like personalities sides. though. Yep. Cause you've seen it with Anson and with Adeline where she. Well, remember his one shoe. You had to put the right shoe on before the left shoe. <laughs> no, remember the- when he would get rain on him and it was like apocalyptic. We live in Washington people in Seattle, like convergence zone galore. So you go outside and he would get like a drop of rain on his hand and be like, it's wet. <laughs> yeah. And we would see the sensory sensitivities for both children with their anxiety yeah. that we now know as anxiety. But in yeah. that three to five range, it was very different. Yeah. Very Water and shoes versus I don't, Adeline's was Adeline's was more gad reflex. Yeah. Sounds would really Food, upset her. Sounds, Textures, yeah. smells. Hers was more basic general anxiety, like sounds, textures, smells. If it was like super off, then she'd be upset. But she's also like your best eater. She's so like sometimes we'll pull into if the kids are really sensitive to food or super picky about their food, if they're super particular about if they touch or things like that, that's probably a sign that they got something going on. Again, these are not hard rules. So if your kid doesn't like your peas touching some mashed potatoes, that's fine. Like it's not <laughs> a terrible thing. It doesn't mean your kid is like anxiety. These are all, it's like puzzle but if you're pieces seeing that as together. a part, yeah. Like with Anson, we can look back and say, your food couldn't touch as well as these other things. Yeah, we're looking for all of these things to hit. So like when you're doing a diagnosis as a therapist, we're literally required to have five out of eight symptoms or zones hit. Does that make sense? Or three out of five or there's this certain you'll look up up in our diagnostic book and it's literally like you need to make sure you're hitting all these zones. And then when we rule it out, we literally have to go through and be like, well, could it be this one or this one? We're having to compare the two and see which one fits better. That's why I told you it's like a puzzle. So not all these are hard, fast rules. It's just if you're seeing your kid kind of hits a lot of these zones, you're probably in that zone for anxiety. Yeah. And for a long duration of time. Yes. 
Okay, so then go to the other side. Let's go talk about my boy Anson here. What were his <laughs> he's, symptoms? He's our three love. to five. <laughs> um, anger, behavior mismanagement, impulsivity, defiance of expectations. They're wild child, basically. But then he had those particularities with sensory and with uh, like the rain and the, you know, all those little things where you're seeing there's a very big need to control the world that's outside of them. And that's yes. what we're looking for mainly as a theme is why are you having such a hard time not having control of your world outside of you? And at first, I remember asking you like, oh my gosh, does he have like ODD, opposition defiance disorder? What's going on? And you were like, no, it's his anxiety. He's trying to control things. Yes. That's where you're seeing this. Yes. And for a lot of people that don't understand what ODD is, it's kind of an older diagnosis. It's still being given out now. I'm going to be really honest. It's one I stay away from because I don't like it. Um, but it and I remember valid. you telling me that though. Like, yeah, yeah I don't like it because I think it's a bad rap. So the oppositional defiant disorder is basically saying your kid just doesn't do well with authority and it's a problem, right? And it's kind of yeah. like, well, what kid isn't going to be like, <laughs> I, you know, half the time I could yeah. look like what it. I'm like, screw you, who tells me, is, yeah. yeah, who tells me what to do? <laughs> like, don't put my shoe on. So what I learned in grad school, especially with the therapy style I was taught is look back at what's actually causing that reservation and look back at what's happening, right? So if we were to go back farther, like Anson didn't have defiance. He was trying to control his world. He was yes. trying to understand things. And, his and world it was opposite than Adeline's, which before, you know, coming from a parent who had had a daughter who was super you know, compliant, super, super perfect, super yes. reserved, super cautious, very loving, very empathetic. Yeah. Like, obviously, my second child, I was like, what's wrong with him? You like, we're in Instagram trouble. He's getting videos. up in pres like, prison at five. Like, yes. <laughs> it, you know those Instagram videos where it's like first kid and it's like sitting there playing yes. their piccolo or something. <laughs> and then you see the second kid and it's like, you know, the ah song. And then it's like <laughs> they're running around and everything's a mess. That's like literally what we're looking at when we see such a difference. So when I have parents sometimes bring that kid in, that's a second child personality. That's super crazy. Like, no way is this anxiety. I'm like, no, that actually is they're just presenting it totally different than what your instinct would be. Yes, because it doesn't look like your stereotypical perfectionist. Yeah, I mean, everything. everyone would buy Adeline has anxiety, your 11-year-old or firstborn. Oh, everybody can like, see oh, in yeah. two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. But then you, you see Hanson and you're like, no, that kid will go along and be like, yo, what's up? You know, like, do you remember that to people <laughs> in stores being like, how you doing? Well, remember, like, okay, here we go. So Adeline was a kid at three to five. We signed her up for ballet. She had that social anxiety, separation anxiety. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't go to ballet class by herself. I sat in the corner for six months of that ballet class. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then Anson was the complete opposite. And he would be like, yo, my name's Anson. I'm wearing a gold chain, my backwards hat. You can call me Anson and I'm awesome. Like that was how he would introduce himself. Remember this? Anson and I'm awesome. <laughs> He'd go up to the mirror and be like, I love myself. Yes. And he would kiss himself in the mirror. So yeah. when you told me he had anxiety, it's like, have you met my children? Like Anson is awesome. That is his literal adjective about himself. But like what we learned about in the second episode, anxiety is not about um, – like lack of like perfectionism or you know like things like that it's about trying to control our world so that these negative things that we cannot predict or that we're scared of do not happen and that's where i think people get confused with their kids is they don't understand no they're trying to control their world that's outside of them they just don't know how yes okay repeat that one more time just because that was such a good life lesson that i learned with baby number two that so, they're trying to control their world outside of them yes and anxiety does not always look the way that media portrays it it's not always 
the nervous child in the back of ballet class. Social media is not, yeah. Media, social media, all of that, they have it so um, like OCD. OCD is actually super, super common because it's a, it's a baby of anxiety, right? Right. And they show that one is like Monk on, if you've seen that TV show, Monk, yes. where the guy is a detective, but he has, you know, everything has to be lined up perfect. Everything has to be straight. Everything has to be all these things. He was a very particular person. It's actually a really good show if you haven't seen it, but it's not, that's like an extreme OCD. That's not very common. OCD can be repetitive thought patterns and need to control the world. Like, it's rituals that we're looking for. And a lot of people actually qualify for OCD that don't realize they qualify for OCD. Yes. It's the same thing. Don't get stuck in a pigeonhole of thinking your kid is outside of the zone. Also, don't overdiagnose your kid too. But, you know, it's that it's that cautious <laughs> zone. Yeah. And be careful, I guess, as we're going through these. Don't just go tell your kid you have anxiety and give them the labels because nobody wants that label. Like, Yeah. Be really be careful as we're and... going through and identifying. Like, I rarely will tell my kids, especially if they're under 11 – you got this, unless it serves a purpose. Like my teens often need me to be like, yes, you have anxiety. Yes, you have depression. But it's always, I always get the caveat of that is not going to define you though. You are your, you. This is just a medical thing that we're dealing with, right? Yes. And I think the more that you're going through it as a parent, if your kid has anxiety, don't be like you're an anxious kid. Just be like you, yeah, maybe a part of you, you may have this way of you think, but it's not you. Exactly. And I like that Selena Gomez song, you know, when it came out, this was my mind and me, I think is mm -hmm. what it was. And I remember Adeline, my 11 year old, like really related to this song. Right. And I was like, no, 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 no. This doesn't define you. It's a piece of who you are and you can have more empathy because of it. Yeah. But it's not, you know, this is not you. So this is not you. Sorry, that was a long tangent rant. But I feel like as we go through these, I'm really cautious about giving parents a checklist which this episode is more of a checklist because I don't want you to pigeonhole your kid or to create more things that we don't need to create. So that's why I'm reemphasizing this. But three to five is going to be often kind of that split dual personality. Perfectionist, very cautious, very reserved, scared to take on the world, kind of psycho baby, the other side, you know, defiant, crazy, awesome. <laughs> yes. Okay. Sensory five to 11. Work. We start to notice a little bit more, like they get a little bit more of that divide. They get a little bit more, the personality is more developed. Tell us what we so, see there. This is a stage where their brain is getting more able to see gray. It's more able to see the world in a different way, right? So you're going to start seeing more shyness come out, reserved, sensory sensitivity. A lot of these things will just carry over and increase as each age. So what I said for the previous age will often last and then be carried up. So don't forget that. But um, you add in a lack of ability to focus, mismanagement of behavior, impulsive behaviors, attachment, and separation anxiety are often really big, too, in this grouping. Yes. And I feel like we've had ups and downs. I mean, since I have a, you know, Adeline's almost 12, we've seen it off and on over the years. Kind of feel like it like came and then it would go away and then it would come, yeah. you know, I feel like it's totally normal like half the time. Yeah. And but. most people are like, oh, it's gone. We're out of the woods. It, I tell all my clients it's going to present at different times in your life at different stages based off what's going on. Even as an adult, we can have it like controlled and then it'll come back like me being pregnant. It got it was controlled and now being pregnant, I'm a little bit psycho and then it'll go away. Like <laughs> different stages will bring out different symptoms and different parts of your anxiety. You just anxiety want your like dog. <laughs> my dog is my coping skill. <laughs> <laughs> so for that one, it's it's honestly very similar to three to five. We're just looking for that increase of of those symptoms and a continuation of those symptoms. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I feel like it's 
they just stick around a little longer. Mm-hmm. It's kind of they're just I more intense. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not as fleeting and it's not as little. Like the episodes are going to be bigger, the moments are going to be bigger, um, the behaviors are going to be more significant in your mind than before. Yeah, and I feel like the kids. Um, if you have an open dialogue, at least with my children, we've been able to like they can identify them a little more and they mm-hmm. can say like even Anson the other day, he was a little wound up and, you know, it was towards the end of the day and he was like, something just doesn't feel right. Something's wrong. And I remember Adeline being around that age and saying the same thing and queuing in and saying, this is your anxiety. You need to take a couple deep breaths. Let's go to bed. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. That's and that's where they're going to be more aware of that back conscious. Wait, I have a feeling. What is it? And they're trying to get the labels for it, right? Yeah. This age zone is when your brain is starting to actually compute. There's different parts of it. What is going on for reals? Yes, and I, and just remember, label it as this is anxiety, but don't define it as you are anxiety. Like don't. <laughs> yes. And I always, this is my famous line to my clients. It's a reason, not an excuse. Exactly. You know where it comes from. You know what's happening. You know why it's there. Great. That does not define you. That does not allow you to behave a certain way. It does not allow you to get away with behaviors. It does not allow you to check out a life. Life, you need to function like a normal human. Does oh, that make I sense? I hate those parents that are like, my child has anxiety. They can't do this today. I get it. We all have flare-ups, but when your flare-up is for the last two years, set the expectations for your children, let them know what they have, and teach them the coping skills to deal with it instead of you excusing them from everything. Yes. Well, again, we're trying to create it where you you are in control of your anxiety. Your anxiety is not in control of you. So when you have that mindset of my kid needs to get bailed out, my kid needs exemptions, my kid needs all these things, I'm not saying that they don't have a purpose and a place because I advocate for those all the time. However... I also push my clients pretty hard, which you can, (laughs) my teens will testify (laughs) or I'll be like, Hey, we're done with this crutch. We're done with this behavior. You need to tell it, you need to work on your anxiety now. And we're going to dismiss this one. Right. So like they'll have 504 plans or IEPs. And as I see them get better, I will start pulling away those crutches because I'm like, you don't need this anymore. You're in control of your anxiety. Now we don't need to get this exemption. We don't need you to bail out on things. Do it. Right. And that's the attitude that I think a lot of people are worried about why they're watching their kids suffer because it gets pretty scary. I mean, five through 11 and then, oh, as teens, when we start listening to some of the symptoms, it does get pretty like. And they need the help. I'm not saying they don't need the help, but. It gets overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Let them know it doesn't define them. It gets scary. It gets hard. I totally respect that. But again, we have to teach them you are in control and that's what your brain is trying to trick you, that you're not in control. So the more that parents cave or stop situations that are going to trigger them, the more that you're not, you're teaching your kid that they are incapable of handling this mental health thing and they are not in control of it, that it's in control of them. And the more that you're unempowering them and parents think they are empowering them by pulling them out of things, it's the reverse. You're just reinforcing that concept that you can't say no. Which I have been guilty of. I'm not going to lie. I have totally like pulled my babies out of yeah. things. Yeah. And Taylor has seen this and been like, hey, uh, sister, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm protecting my babies. She's, you know, adult especially. She's having anxiety and protecting yeah. her from the world. But Which I totally respect as like a, I'm, I mean, I'm not a mommy yet, but with my dog, I'm crazy. So I can say that uh, one. Yeah, where- you are. <laughs> <laughs> He's my firstborn. Um, where that like... I get it. As a parent, it's really hard to watch something that you love so much suffer so much, right? Yeah. As a clinician and a therapist, like, 
it's my worst nightmare. I see this and I'm like, stop, like you're making my job so much harder and you're making it so, you're sending this reverse message of it's, you're so unempowering them. So I get the balance. I get there's going to be moments where you cave. I respect that. But again, you need to be more balanced in how much you cave. And if they're big life things that this person really needs to push through, think about it before you just bail them out. Yeah. An example of this was Anston toilet training. You know, that caused a lot of anxiety. <laughs> and I just said, we're getting a diaper off, you know, but it was, yeah. we, we did it. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite one. I mean, those ones, like if your kid was still using diapers at six, we'd have a problem. So yeah, that but was it caused some anxiety. Choice. I did lay off and I was like, he's fine. He's a baby. And then I was like, I totally harmed him in this. He needs to go in the toilet. You know, yeah. like that is a really like, you know, that's a real way to apply it. Mental oh. application, but real yeah. way to apply it. Right. <laughs> All right. 12 awful. to 15 year olds. What are we seeing? Okay. This is where it becomes a lot more typical of what we see social media and in real life. So you're going to see more social anxiety onset. Honestly, it's 11 year olds are really grouped into this because they're growing up so quickly. So 100%. Much I see this in my child. Yes. Yeah. So our cutoff as before has changed a lot with social media with how the kids are developing nowadays. But in general, you're going to see more social anxiety and insecurity, extreme self-consciousness. You're going to see more like perfectionism. Uh, like language and verbiage is going to become much more critical. Like I'm so stupid or even the subtle like they are so much better than me. It's going to range a little bit on that one. Um, you also see impulsivities like impulsivity like in the past, anger defiance. Um, grades will decrease a lot in this zone. Panic attacks. Just a lot of misbehavior in this zone. A lot of... Um, Risky behavior as well, drug use, self-medication, stuff like that. Yeah. And I think we're just on the younger side of this, obviously, with my 11-year-old daughter. Yeah. Well, I guess I could just say Adeline at this point. But um, I have seen a little bit more of this where she's pushing back. You know, in yeah. the past, she has always been stereotypical, good girl in the box, black and white. And I'm getting more where she's yelling at me because she doesn't get the iPad or sitting on the couch moody with her headphones. Yes. So we're starting to see a little bit more of this defiance, which is throwing me for a loop. I'm used to defiance from Anson. Yeah. I am not used to defiance from Adeline. But at this age, puberty Exhalation. and all of this, yes. <laughs> all of this is coming. It's it just it starts to really present more like what you see in media. And I think that's the nice thing for parents, and that's why they usually can red flag it more in the teen zone, which again, they're like a lot of parents will come and be like, I'm so sorry I missed this for so long. And I'm like, honestly, this is better for me to work with anyways, because I can actually reach the child. I can actually get them to work on the skills themselves. I can empower them themselves, right? Yeah. You bring them a little bit before, it is, it's trickier and it's harder and a lot of it's on the parents at that point. So that's where, it, I mean, you just find it. Like whenever you find it, it's a good thing you found it, right? Yeah. And just deal with it and help them know they're loved. Yeah. Um, 16 to 20, even 21 and above, they look very, very similar to everything that we're talking about. It's all encompassing. Like you can see this pattern throughout their lives since they were a little kid or since the onset of a trigger. And they look very similar to what we named for symptoms in episode two. So we can go over those again. But I feel like if you guys are aware enough of the basics of anxiety, you know, there's perfectionism, there's um, overanalyzing all of the thought processes, catastrophizing, what ifing extreme panic attacks, um, sensory overload. That's pretty much what we're looking for at those ages. 
Yeah, and go back to episode two if you need to brush up on any of those terms Taylor just said because yeah. we did cover them. Yeah. So now that we've kind of talked about what this looks like in these age ranges, remind us of how we can help our children. How can we help our children yeah. and ourselves because most of us are probably 21 and above. But yep. So like we talked about before, I am a holistic therapist. So I was trained to look at the three zones of our lifestyle, which is mental, phys- mental physical, and spiritual. Mental is the emotional side, the cognitive side, right? What is happening in your brain? How are you processing the information? And then how are you aware of it and and really like into it? Does that make sense? Like, yeah. how does that process? Physical is what's happening in your body. Is there a chemical balance? Is there other things adding to some of the anxiety? Like if you have a chronic illness, absolutely, that's going to add to anxiety, right? That's just something to correlate together. So we look at yes. all of the what's happening in your physical body. Spiritual is about grounding and connection to the world. This is about a belief system. It doesn't have to be like a religious belief system. This is simply like what makes you feel like you're in existence and connected to people and to life and to your own pathway and own existence. So it's a pretty wide um, spectrum and pers- like personal viewpoint is what we're looking for. So when we're looking at treating anxiety and we're looking at a lot of coping skills, that's what we're coming at is How do you ground your kids? So the basics for all ages is going to be like meditation is an awesome one. You and I both have Anson's favorite. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've mentioned that before. He's done it in the middle of the grocery store, Disneyland, in the woods, at the beach. Like (laughs) I love him. I struggle. Yeah, Taylor and I Taylor was just saying that that we struggle with that. We struggle with meditation's not our vibe. So I've subbed in yoga for meditation because I can't sit. My husband is so good about this. He can sit and just breathe and do his meditation every day. And I'm like going crazy. So I've had to do movement meditation. That's fine. It's just being more about building that skill and that muscle of your brain of how are you connecting to the world and to yourself. Sometimes Um, for me, that will be just a minute in the car without new music on. Yeah, we don't do good with silence. You know, but like, no, but for me, that is like, I need to intentionally be still for a second. And if I can be still sitting my butt in the car, that is still counts. So That's figure a big out what deal works for, for your kids, for yourself. It might look different for each of you. And we'll definitely probably do a meditation one eventually because I, I we mean. need that. <laughs> we should probably do it anyways. Um, emotional awareness is what we're talking about. What do you feel? Why do you feel it? What do you need? Physical exercise and diet are huge in managing anxiety, which is crazy. But what you feed yourself really affects your chemical balances. And I think we had hinted at that too in the other episodes. We have, but there's studies done where (laughs) this is cool for depression too. The certain foods that provide certain minerals and certain vitamins, sorry, words are hard, pregnant guys. Certain foods and vitamins can help the way your brain processes chemicals and release certain amount of chemicals and vice versa. Does that make sense? So like, yeah, it'll open up the pathways or not. So diet is huge. That's the core, I'd say, of like my base rules always for how to manage your anxiety. But the techniques for kids 11 and younger are... Yeah, let's start there. Mm. Parent modeling is huge. This one is, and like I said before, this is where we really work with parents is how are you teaching them to regulate? How are you responding to them when they're anxious? Are you anxious back? That's big. Like if you are having a panic attack too... They are going to have a panic attack. If you are a cautious person, they are going to be a cautious person. If you have, does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. Or if you start yelling as a response to your harder emotions, they're going to be yellers. They're going to yell back at you. Like It's so much learning of what you do, which is a lot of pressure. I know mommy world and, and parent world is so hard, but 
that's really the key here is you are setting a lot of the tone for how your child is going to engage with their own emotions, their own experience. So the more that when they're having an emotion or they're having an interaction with something that you can be grounded and not reactive, the more your kids will respond and model what you're teaching. Sometimes too, with like breathing techniques and patterns, I will sit there and just start doing them for the client. Cause I know if I say, start breathing, all my clients will freak out and be like, I don't want to breathe and it sucks. But if I sit there and just start going, then they start going, yeah, they totally do. If I take that huge breath and go with them, they will start doing it. Or if I show my body language is a certain way, their body language will become a certain way. So that's ginormous for kids under 11. Using sensory-based interventions too are huge. The one I looked it up, guys, this time. So the thing is acknowledge five things you see around you, four things you can touch around you, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste, which we will post this for you guys. But this is a huge one they use in the schools now. It's a grounding exercise meant to be engaging all your five senses. And it's helping you have a very structured pattern. When you have anxiety, you need something that's predictable and structured, especially 11 and younger. The more categorical you can get, the more black and white you can get, the more they're going to find safety and comfort. And I had heard these um, referred to, you know, online and in other things as the grounding activities, like to ground your child when they're having these anxious moments. So let's yep. review that real fast. You can, so five, four, three, two, one, five, acknowledge five things you see around oh, yeah. you. Hey, don't mess me up. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. Five, um, five things you can see around you, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell and one thing you can taste just for a reminder. And like Taylor said, we will post it. Yeah. And if you get the sensory things mixed up, it doesn't doesn't matter. matter. There's no key thing to like, it has to be this sensory or this sensory thing. It's not parents always worry like, what if I get the order wrong? No, just remember your five senses and then just go down and count there from there and use them in whatever order you can remember. Yeah. And it'll still work. Five, four, three, two, one. Yeah. Just count down and do, (laughs) you know, whatever one you can do. Um, other ones that we use are like fidget tools are awesome right now. They got really popular the last couple of years, but they are actually very useful, which we can post some things online for which tools can actually do which things for people. Cause I feel like the kids will come in and be like, oh yeah, I have that. I'm like, okay, what do you use it for? And why do you have it? And they're like, I just use it for fun. It's like, okay, but yeah. there's actually a real intervention with that one that we can do. A so few that have been good for my kids uh, that we've noticed in our Calm Down Corner, and Taylor has helped me with these, are the ones that you move your fingers along, and it has, like, the breathing, like, mm-hmm. rainbow breasts, and I don't even know, zigzags, and lions, and whatever. And so, mm-hmm. like, it gives them something to touch and a reminder to breathe. And then the yeah. other really cool one was those bottles that had, glitter. like, the different – it has, like, glitter inside and, like, gel – and it like yeah. they have like faces like sad and angry yeah. and happy and and then they can like breathe with the gel and I mean we found a cool a few cool ones so we'll post some of those yeah there's quite a few that we can show you how to use them uh, that the kids just would think are fun to play with but again the more that you let them use them as toys and not as regulations tools the less they're gonna use them as a regulation tool so yeah we have ours in a special bucket. Yeah. Um, and they and have so display when they go to the calm down corner in the dining room, they use those. Yeah. So. Um, other ones that I recommend for little kids usually are breathing patterns. Like you're saying that movement pad that we had where they can like trace a rainbow or trace a wave or something like that with the breath that helps them learn those movement patterns for breathing, uh, engaging your five senses. Like always yoga is a great one because again, it's going to be the breathing patterns mixed with the 
movement. Mm-hmm. Both of those are going to help regulate your anxiety. Distractions are a great one. Creating more structure, predictable routine, finding ways that, that you can let your child have control over that zone. So sometimes when they're stressed, I'll be like, hey, can you help me pick up this exact stuff? Like this little area, I need you to help me put it in a basket and organize it all for me. And that's giving them control. Or do you want to pick out what you eat from these three options today? Or do you want to pick your clothing out today? Or give them power and control in zones that you're comfortable giving them power and control in while also letting them have some predictability and structure. Yeah. And don't throw out an option. Like I, where did we mention this? I mentioned this recently to somebody and they were so stressed out. Like, I don't want to give an option. Oh, was that a training that I went to? And they were saying, well, I don't want to give options to my children because options overwhelm them. And what if I don't like their choice, but make sure that you're giving them options that you are comfortable with. That was a good reminder when I had made that suggestion, like throw out three things. If you're not comfortable ordering pizza for dinner, don't offer that as a dinner option. Yes. <laughs> like, give yeah. them, you know, I'm comfortable with making spaghetti toast and at least a random dinners and yes, whatever. <laughs> I pick something out of that. Yeah. Like, I also, parents don't like me when I do this, but I usually point out, okay, why don't you want to give them power or control? And usually it's the parent's own reaction to their own anxiety, oh, yeah. which they're modeling for their kid. And that's where I'm like, okay. Clearly, this is a zone we need to work on and let go of a little bit, because if you can't even give your kid empowerment to control their life, you are creating and perpetuating that anxiety. And that's a parent modeled situation. So, yeah, if you're having a hesitation to give your kid control over, like, can they wear one of these three outfits? Maybe you need to look at your own (laughs) self and realize that some of it's anxiety, you know, like and some of that's your own need to control and micromanage. And what are you really getting out of it? Because those decisions at the end of the day don't matter. If they're not wearing a swimsuit when it's like 20 degrees outside, obviously that's not an option. But if they're wearing like mismatched clothes, what does it matter? It doesn't matter. And I can honestly say, as someone who struggles with anxiety and perfectionism, when my kids were younger, remember poor Adeline, I'm sure I modeled so <laughs> poorly for her because it used to stress <laughs> me out. I wanted that perfect gap yep. baby model. And I was like, oh my gosh, you can't leave in that. And I was the yep. worst. I would like pre-plan her outfits and all this. And I think it wasn't probably until like first grade that yeah. I let her have that choice which is so sad for her I'm so sorry baby girl but (laughs) that was something I definitely had to learn like let it go let it yeah let it be like it's it's about your zones that you're actually really need to control on your kid versus the zones where you really don't and I think that's where parents have a hard time letting go yeah figure out those things and the therapist did help me with that figure out those things that you can let go of yeah it is liberating as a parent I can tell you it's one less thing I had to stress about. So what? She wore polka dots and striped shirt. You know, it's fine. <laughs> that, that was a great example because you're right. I remember you freaking out about it. Me being like, what? Why? Like, yeah. She has to wear these gonna... cute Abercrombie skirts. Oh, my gosh. And like... I think the biggest thing that I usually go back to is this going to affect your kid in five years and 10 years. I've asked Brittany this question many times. We're developing a human being, not an image of something, not a specific thing. We're creating a well-rounded human. Is this really going to affect that well-rounded human or is it just a moment that you feel like is uncomfortable for you yes and if the answer is uncomfortable for you which that's a really harsh look at yourself I know I'm aware because I've had to do this with therapy too and being a therapist and there's things I have to let go or images that I have to let go or you know whatever it is it's you have to be very real at identifying is this about you or is this about them and is if it's not going to 
create a well-rounded human, then why are we fighting that battle? And you're just creating another thing for your child to latch onto as a trigger. And they yeah. don't need that. They have enough triggers. They don't need another one. Yeah. And it's hard, but you, it does get, I am not perfect by any means at this, but I have at least gotten better at recognizing that. <laughs> That's all we're asking for because yeah. honestly, it's a development, right? It's, I'm not perfect at it either. I will never be perfect at it either. We're all human beings. It's just, can we increase in our ability to be aware enough to help our child have a little bit more autonomy? Yes. Brittany of the present is better at this than Brittany of the past. So that's, that's the whole goal. You yeah. improved. If you were still the same, then it would be a different conversation. So, my child yeah. gets herself dressed. So does my Polka seven dots and now. stripes. There are some outfits that we look at now that would be like, girl, no. Yeah. Anson is really, uh, there was one I sent you the other day, right? Bucket hat, Pikachu, and uh, some slides or something on his feet. Oh, yeah. He looked ridiculous. But he was happy. Oh. Whatever. <laughs> Matson's gonna play this for me when I have banks and he's gonna be like see Taylor let, <laughs> let this go be like my perfect baby <laughs> he's gonna be like just remember your own tips yeah um, okay so 12 and above let's talk yeah. about that so this is super similar as before again we want to leave everything as we are because those are grounding things that we want right we need the physical stuff to be established we need you to co-regulate so every tip that I said before fidget tools breathing patterns parents are gonna help if the parent is freaking out, they're going to freak out all the same. But then again, it's more they can do cognitive stuff, too. So you can process with them. This is the number one thing though that I see all the time. Parents try and go into the trigger with them. They try and process with them. This is a big no-no. Like when they're in the middle of anxiety, oh, don't try and yeah. process with them. When they're in the middle of a, a moment, don't try and be like, what's triggering you? Why is that triggering you? And what are you thinking? And like okay, like, let's just add to the cuckoo train here. No, like, we're trying to not have, you know, a spiral. We're trying to to stabilize. And if you're trying to stabilize, what you're trying to do is give them those coping skills of de-escalating their body. You can see a total transition. Like, Brittany and I've taught her that with Adeline, and she can totally see when it's time to process and when it's time to just um, de-escalate and ground her and be like, okay, girl, you got to chill out, right? Like, yeah. And that's where chill out skills are like the ones that you use when they're little processing skills are the ones that you use with like okay where's your thought process going why is it there what do you think happened all of that yeah an example that's coming to my mind of this and you're totally gonna laugh but you know in dance moms or in real life dance moms <laughs> that I just finished up living yes. um but like in that moment some of those girls will totally freak out they're going backstage and all of a sudden they're just sobbing they've got all of these emotions the anxiety is really high mm -hmm. and I don't know how many times I've seen moms go, you know, as they're getting ready to go on stage and just start yelling, laying into them, like, you need to calm down. You've done this before. Stop it. Blah, 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 blah. Yep. That is not the time to, to give them those processing skills at yep. that moment, de-escalate them. No. Don't let their mascara run all over their face, yes. get them on stage and yes. then talk about it afterwards. That's yes. a stupid thing, but I know dance moms, everybody's watched it at this point, Oh yeah. but it's, it's one of those, it's like an extreme situation. And then apply that to our own lives. Yes. Don't yell at your kid when they're about to go on stage yes. and tell them all the reasons they're stupid. Yeah. Do that afterwards. Not tell them they're stupid. Don't don't yeah. do that. But like <laughs> to help them process through why they were thinking that way. Does that, yeah. you know? Yeah. The, but again, that's a parent having their anxiety triggered because their kid is triggered and they're trying to get their kid to perform and they're trying to get their kid to go on the stage. Right. So yeah. then they're like, oh my goodness, how are they going to do this? How do I get it calmed down? And when you see somebody panic, you panic. That's literally the point of panic. It's kind of like that it spreads like a disease really quick. It's like wildfire. Oh, yeah. And if you aren't aware that that's going to trigger you, then of course you're going to react in a panic state. But that's 
exactly going to just lead to a spiral versus if you can say, you're okay, you got this. I know you're scared. Keep going. Let's do this. And then just be like, yo, look at that girl's costume or look at that. Yes. And that's, that's de-escalation is like all my clients know my number one thing is I'll be like, hey, look how cute Koa is right now. He's eating his foot. He's over in the corner with his toy. <laughs> or I'll be like, yo, what's happening outside? Or like, I love my windows because we'll start looking outside and like that person is going up the hill on a unicycle or something, you know, like. But that's where you're doing that five, four, three, two, one method. Uh-huh, but I'm not yeah. telling them I'm doing it. And yes. that's the big key with anxiety is the more you model, the more you create structure and grounding, the more they're going to pull to what you're doing. Yes. And going back to that dance mom example, there was, you know, we just finished a big recital weekend for Adeline. Adeline was in probably every two dances for bull shows. And a mom had come back and she was freaking out for a second, right? Like, how are you staying so calm? And her daughter was in one dance before intermission, one dance after. And I was like, you just do. And she looked at Adeline and, you know, and she's like, she's so calm too. But in that moment, we were both calm. We both did it. And she had learned that from being modeled over all these years. It's okay. Like we can do this. Again, the question I come back to all the time with anxiety, is this really going to affect you in a year? Like even I'll go, I'll go small, but usually I have to go bigger for them at first. Like, is this going to matter in five years? Or is it going to matter when you're 30 (laughs) like me? And all my clients will be like, no. I'm like, yeah, you're not going to remember this at 30 years old. I guarantee it because I, I don't remember things. My favorite, though, is in those moments. I have asked Adeline that before. Is this going to matter in, you know, when you're 30? Yes, it is. Yes, everybody's got to remember that I had my shirt on backwards. <laughs> so oh, that's remember, well, wait a minute. Just wait a oh, minute yeah. and then oh, yeah. process it with them. And then my it's totally though, logical. Like, they don't know what to do when you laugh. Like, because with Adeline, I could totally laugh and be like, oh, that's my girlfriend. Everybody's going to be like, yo, Adeline at nine had a backwards shirt. Girl, I can't even remember what I ate for lunch yesterday. Like, <laughs> nobody's And that that's usually how I get them transitioned so easily to opening up their minds a little bit more of like, this really isn't going to matter at 30 years old. It's it's not. And it's not even going to matter in a week, in a day. The stuff that you're so fixated on right now is not going to matter. And that's our big goal as the people in their lives that are supporting is can you pull it in and can you actually be like, is this really going to affect you? And usually our brain will try and convince that it is, which is its whole job is anxiety, but your job is convinced that it's not. Yes. And the key here is do not try to reason with them or process the trigger when they're escalated. It will do you no good. Guys, I repeat this one all the time. So can you repeat that one more time for me, please? Are you ready? (laughs) Do not try to reason with them or process the trigger when escalated. It is always, I know as a mom, we want to fix our babies. We want to put that bandaid on when they're bleeding. Don't. At that moment, you're banging your head against a brick wall. They're getting mad at you. You're getting mad at them. Then you start yelling at them. It's just, it's not good. De-escalate. Half of my clients. Respond to touch. So I put Koa in their lap. I'm not like I will always use Koa for my touch like thing. Adeline, it's I'll grab her and hold her. Right. Right. Um, But so everybody seems to do either really well with touch or with like, yo, look at that bug or look at, you know, like the most random obscure thing that can pull you away from that moment. Every single time I have parents wanting to go in, wanting to tell their kid why they're having a problem, wanting to tell their kid all the ways to fix it. Just stop. Don't eh, try to fix it. Yeah. Alert. <laughs> stop. Just be quiet. Like pull it in. Yeah. And, and it is so hard. That is your natural reaction. Yeah. Don't do it. Save it. Like I know with Anson, 
Yep. You know, sometimes, and his therapist has told me, sometimes we'll revisit it two hours later. Sometimes yep. we'll revisit it four hours later. It's okay. Like, have the discussion. Do the parenting when they're not in the moment. Sometimes it's the next day or a week later. Like, yes. for my teen, sometimes we have to go back a while later and be like, you remember that one time, you know, and then, and then we can actually process it out because it was such a real emotion and so strong that it takes some time to diffuse. It will be addressed. It will be worked out. Don't let your anxiety and your panic tell you that it needs to be solved right now, right in this moment. Your only thing is to deescalate. Yep. Going back to the dance mom analogy, do it at the next competition. Don't do it then. You know, Do it before like, the competition. Like we yes. prep those girls so much and we go, okay, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a lot of feelings. What did you feel last time? Why did you have a breakdown exactly. last time? Revisit retroactive before you get into it. And then Don't when yell at them again, like Abby Lee when they're on the stage. You know, yeah, like, let it go. <laughs> exactly. She performs all the ways. Nobody wants to do that. <laughs> so just quick summary of what we like really mentioned. Key things are 11 and under, very, very physical based interventions. Above that, it's going to be a lot more mix the two together. You want to always build off these skills of make sure you're grounding yourself. Make sure you're using your five senses. Make sure that you're aware of what's happening in your body. And then try and process it out. Processing out is not good when you're triggered. Do it later. Amen to that. But Wisdom from dance moms. <laughs> well, I tried to pull an analogy I thought most people would like. Oh, I love it. Relate yeah. to as crazy ladies on TV, you know. But <laughs> you were one of them. <laughs> I was not Abby Lee. I was. <laughs> but I have seen it in real life. Um, I know this episode was a little long, but if you missed some of what we had to say there was a lot of valuable content in here taylor had prepared a lot about what to look for and then how to target those listen to it again it might take a couple times to really click i promise it's worth it in our next episode it'll be a little shorter we're going to answer some questions that we got from people on social media to reiterate some of the questions that we had heard from listeners shoot us a message if you have any other questions you can find us on uhane counseling we'll have that in our show notes mm -hmm on Instagram and we're excited to kind of wrap up our anxiety segment on the next episode. Yeah, you can follow us on Spotify or Apple if you want to listen for more and we're excited to have more questions from you guys. We really appreciated the questions we got for the next episode. So if you have questions, message us, email us. We would love to answer them for you. And remember there is no stupid question. We're all trying to move forward. So. There's zero judgment because we're all, we're all in it together. We're all learning. I just sounded like, High School Musical, but We're it's true. all in this together. Damn <laughs> it out, girl. Let's go, Zach right. Efron. <laughs> you can be on my show anytime. <laughs> all right. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.